beautiful. I hope these buttons are working. So let's get into it. Good morning, good afternoon, good evening, wherever you are in the world. Welcome. My name is Nick Roud. I am your host, and it's an absolute privilege to welcome you all back and also to welcome our new listeners to the show. Thank you for taking the time to listen to our conversation. It means a great deal to me. Firstly, look, we hope you get a great deal from our podcasts and, and they continue to help you to unleash your most authentic self. Today, we're kicking off 2019 with a guest who I said in a post late last night, and, and I'm glad I put it out. This podcast might be the hardest one. This, this one might be the hardest one to beat for, for me. I think this is going to be an amazing conversation. So I'm just saying it, just putting it out there. But this morning, when I opened up my uh, office, my inbox was filled up with brilliant messages, wishing me good luck and, and hoping that the podcast went well. So I just hope my fat fingers have hit record. I think they're all on. We're on. So how are we all doing? Are we relaxed? Do we have good Christmas breaks? I'll be ready for 2019. It's going to be an incredible year for us all. It's up to you, nobody else. We've all got to kind of stand up and take our take our place in the, in the world. So let's get into it. Happy, happy 2019. It's the 9th of January over here in sunny New Zealand. It was 26 degrees today. My guest is not in his usual home of America. He's in the iconic convention centre in Dublin, Ireland, where he's about to go on stage and speak to two and a half thousand global leaders, innovators and dreamers at the Pendulum Summit. His title for the summit is Unmatched Personal and Professional Growth. And we'll get on to a little bit about that later on. I cannot think of a better guest to help me kickstart 2019. He sits along two other pretty special leadership coaching gurus, Tony Robbins and Marshall Goldsmith. He's, he's impacted on me like no other person has done personally, and he's really helped my coaching business. He, like me, is an executive leadership coach and authority on coaching. He's won numerous awards. And when I was doing my research for this the other day, I was kind of really hard to, to leave out. There were so many. So I hope I haven't mucked this up in any format, but 2015, 2016, 2017. Oh, uh, yep, 2018. He was named by Global Gurus, one of the world's top leadership authorities along to alongside Tony and Marshall. So kids today, I think we were in really safe hands. He's coached some incredibly gifted, talented CEOs around the world, including the late Steve Jobs, former CEO, PepsiCo, Roger Enrico, and he's personally coached over 250 leaders, including 25 global CEOs. So as I, as I say, today, I think we're going to have an amazing conversation. It's a huge privilege to have this man on, on my podcast. As, a, as, as my guest, he's, he's written nine books, including three bestsellers talent leadership, intelligent leadership, and cultural transformations. I won't get him to say how many his first books sold, only if he wants to. But his latest book, The Intelligent Leadership Code, Seven Secrets to Leadership, sorry, Seven Secrets to Leading Others and Leaving Your Legacy is out in the fall this year. I think that's September 2019 here in New Zealand. So when it's ready, I'll be sure to get a link out to you all so you can um, purchase it from various bookstores, etc. I'll get all our links for today's show notes up after this. Links to my guest bio, links to his website, links to his Twitter feed, etc. He's married to Gal and they recently celebrated their 40th wedding anniversary. Congratulations to you both. 
they got four adult children, some who I know are involved in his global business. He recently adopted his fifth child, that's me, into his global family. And I'm so humbled and proud to be the very first executive coach here in New Zealand to be certified by him on intelligent leadership executive coaching. And this is where we're going to head into today. We're going to delve deep into leadership. We're going to delve deep into a program that I run and, and having been certified by this, this man on intelligent leadership executive coaching. Today, it's a huge pleasure to once again sit alongside this man, albeit he's on the other side of the world. I'd like to welcome in the one and only Mr. John Matone. Welcome in, John. Nick, thank you so, so much. What a, what a beautiful, beautiful introduction. Um, actually, I've got chills, Nick. Have you? I, uh, yeah, I do. I, I heard you Is that because you're in Dublin? <laughs> yeah, that could be another reason, too. But uh, it's a great honor to, to be with you on the show and uh, just a great honor to have you as, uh, as uh, an intelligent leadership family member. Thank and, you. Uh, I, I uh, uh, myself, and on behalf of our team, we're very humbled that we've got such a talented uh, executive coach down there in New Zealand. Uh, and, and in fact, our, like you said, you're our only intelligent leadership executive coach. And that is, that is just wonderful. Great to be here. It's a wonderful country and I can't wait to get you down here and we can celebrate together. Um, but I, can't, I still can't believe we've managed to sync our diaries, sync our time zones, yeah. family, schedules, commitments, businesses, etc. What, what's going on? But welcome onto the show. And as I say, it's, it's a real privilege to have, have you on. So how was, how was the trip over to Dublin? How did it go for you? You've just arrived, I, I believe. Yeah, we got here yesterday and uh, yesterday was a, was a day to meet some people and I got a workout in uh, yesterday and, uh, you know, cut up in emails and all that. Today, same thing. Got a couple, uh, you know, a couple interviews to do and and then I'll gear up for my speech tomorrow. So I'm, I'm ready to go. I hope it goes well. And uh, there, there, there's a Thank saying, you. I don't know if it, I don't know if this is the wrong saying to say, but break a leg. Yeah, I don't know. We'll go with that. <laughs> Although literally, literally, I don't Please want don't. to do that. But, uh, <laughs> Metaphorically, I'm going to go do it for sure. No, no. fantastic. I, I look forward to hearing how it went once you're back home and got settled in after the trip. So we've got listeners around the world subscribed to my podcast. I think it's around 20-odd thousand at the moment. Um, I, I didn't check. I should have done, but I didn't check how many are from Ireland. So you can go and say thank you to each and every one of them. <laughs> so um, I, I think just for the purpose of... Of, of my listeners, um, you know, I've mentioned about your, your, your awards and your background today, but would you mind introducing yourself, please, and, and just give us a taste of your career today, please? Love to, Nick. So I uh, got out of graduate school many, many years ago, got a master's degree in industrial organizational psychology in 1980, uh, went for my PhD for about a year, got tired of school. Uh, my wife and I get married at 21. I'm 62. We're both 62. Um, and, uh, you know, basically I started my career at about 25 years old. And um, my first job was with a large oil company by the name of Conoco. And I love to tell the story. It was my first opportunity to, to meet my mentor. And I, I really honestly at that point didn't even know what a mentor was. And uh, it was an older gentleman by the name of Lou Larson took me under his wing and believed in me and gave me an opportunity. Uh, and how important that is, Nick, to mm -hmm. have people who believe in you 
even even more than you believe in yourself. And that was true for me. You know, when I was 25, 26, I, I really had no idea uh, who I was and uh, ultimately where I was going to be going with my life. And But Lou uh, said to me, he said, John, you know, uh, you know, I think it, that you can uh, you can do training programs for us uh, uh, and deliver supervisory programs and leadership programs to engineers and project managers. And I remember looking at him saying, are you talking about me? Someone else in the room? <laughs> yeah. I mean, why do you think that I can do that? And I remember his words, Nick. He said, there's an aura about you. You go, I can't put my finger on it. I just believe that you can do it. And that that just made me not want to disappoint him. So sure enough, that's what I did. I started doing training programs at Conoco. Got a lot of great feedback and loved doing what I was doing. Um, and then I started my own business at age 30. Did that for 10 years. And I uh, wrote a couple books during those 10 years. Uh, it was the first iteration of John Matone, if you will. Uh, and during those 10 years, from age 30 to 40, my wife and I raised four kids. And, uh, and it, was, it was tough because I traveled a lot. Mm. I didn't have any money. Uh, I was kind of uh, wandering around. Uh, didn't really have a focus. I was literally going from gig to gig all over the world. And it did not matter where that gig was. And to be honest with you, it didn't even matter um, how much money the, the sponsor was, was offering me. I just wanted to speak. And so I, I went all over the world. Well, guess what? After about seven years, there was no money in the bank. Account. Yeah. Yeah. And to fast forward the story, um, you know, basically uh, I went back into the corporate world because I had to for 15 years. And that was an important step for me because uh, I learned a lot. Uh, that has been a foundation for the work that I do as an executive coach and leadership person. Um, that I learned so much uh, in the corporate world, working in the world of consulting, and the many ups and downs that you've got to you've got to work through. Um, it's not a straight line, as you know. And uh, and that was about seven and a half years ago. I told my wife that I was going to go back and do what I was put on the earth to do. And, and how did that go? And, uh, well, the conversation uh, went mediocre, to be honest with you, because I, I was doing pretty well, hmm. you know, in the corporate world. And she said, uh, you know, do you really want to do this? And I, I said, I'm going to do it, but I'm going to do it differently hmm. than what I did from age hmm. 30 to 40. And I made a commitment to my wife and my family to do the work that I do today from the depths of my heart and that ultimately uh, from age 30 to 40, my pursuit was money and fame. It didn't happen. Uh, my focus, my, my focus at 55, 56 was that I wanted to help authentically leaders and future leaders become the best that they can be. And it's unbelievable, Nick. What I realized uh, pretty quickly was that um many good things started to happen in my business. Mm. And so, and, and that's what I've been doing for the last seven years. Um, I, I have literally been writing books. I've been speaking all over the world and then coaching and then obviously building uh, a, a pretty successful um, business uh, where I've got, you know, I've got four full-time employees and 
I got subcontractors all over the world and so on and so forth. So that's a little bit of my story. That's a great story. And, and thank you so much for sharing that with me and, and also for my listeners, because, you know, you see these names up in lights and you think, well, who is the man or who is the lady behind behind the name? Yeah. And yeah. we've all got a story to tell, haven't we? And, and none of us are unflammable or unbreakable. But um, I think it just comes to show. And, and, and this is what we're going to kind of lead on to that, you know, many of my clients and, and I know people in, in your own world, you know, you sit and you have the pleasure of working with these executives and, you know, you peel back the onion cord and, and suddenly you, you kind of, they're hamstrung, they're, they're, they're tied to the, to the bank, to the, to the mortgage, to the, the boat, the batch, the BMW, etc. And they can't really make right. those form decisions. And going through, you know, intelligent leadership, executive coaching, it really allows an individual, and we'll get onto this, but really allows an individual to understand his or own voice. And I think for me, jumping back and, or jumping forward to go back, Last year, I wanted to spend some some time on myself as a, my own personal development. You know, I've just set up a business a couple of years ago, and I, I wanted to see where, um, see why this itch was itching me so much to be an executive coach, to be a coach, to help people, to not help people, but to sit along people and allow them to be free, to be um, surrounded by somebody who they can trust, surrounded by somebody who can really give them time to think. Um, my job, and I said it to you last year when we first started talking, my job isn't to give people the answers. That that's They're paid well. They, that, these individuals are paid very well. That That's their job. My job isn't isn't to give them the answers. That's a mentor. My job is there to, to really allow them to be who they think they should be, and then we can involve and you know, really get into that and really see where that takes us. Um, probably leads us on to the, a really important point globally, and, and you've mentioned it in the past quite a bit around leadership, but where do you think we're right, where, where do you think we are right here right now, January 2019, when it comes to leadership? I don't think we're good, Nick. I don't think we're good at all. I think, uh, you know, the irony is that despite all the, uh, all the efforts out there, and, and, and they're intentional and they're authentic, by universities and other coaches and conferences and so on and so forth. There's a desire to move the needle with respect to leadership. We still have a big gap between the intellect, the raw intellect that I see in businesses and I know that you see hmm. in your work. The intellect's off the charts. You know, it's um, you leave a meeting and you just you're just awestruck about just the raw intellect. Uh, in, in boardrooms. and uh, But then you look at leadership. I, I kind of look at it as a bell-shaped curve. I really do. I, I, I look at intellect as a skewed distribution. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Skewed. Uh, most companies are not lacking in terms of raw intellect, uh, but we are lacking big time in terms of leadership. So we're lagging. We're lagging on leadership. And uh, so why is it, you know? And... I don't know if this is the answer, but, you know, I, I think I think it's a pretty good hypothesis, honestly. Uh, what I've discovered in my work, and, and you know this too, mm. that um, and I don't think it's a massive discovery by any stretch, but it but it is an interesting discovery that the leadership um, really does start on the inside. And when you look, when you when you have an executive look inside, you're looking at you're having them look at a lot of things they've never really come to grips with. 
you know, their self-concept, character, thinking patterns, emotional makeup. And guess what? You know, if those elements that are deep within your soul, if those elements are not strong, mature, and vibrant, how in the world will you spill those elements to the outer core? And that's what the world sees in terms of you, right, and your aura about leadership. So there is a strong relationship between inner core and outer core. I just don't see enough leaders out there who have the willingness, desire, and courage to look inside. And that's the work that, that I do. You know what I'm saying? That's courage. The work that, that I, uh, that's the work that you do. I'm, you know, I'm going to jump in. We're going to, this, is, this isn't an interview. This is a conversation. My podcast is always about conversation, so it's a two-way, two-way yeah, thing, not a Q&A. But I, I think that word courage is huge. Right here, right now, courage. Yeah. We've, got a, we've got a wonderful world here in New Zealand, a, a, a fantastic like-minded attitude towards business and can-do attitude and give things a go. I sit down with executives and they're scared. And I, I'm, I'm going to use that word for myself, not verbatim, but they're scared to make decisions. They've got shareholders, yes. they've got board, they've got banks, they've got staff. They're, they're sitting there and they're saying, look, I want to make these decisions because it's the right thing to do by me. It's the yes. right thing to do by my business, by my stakeholders, by my, my, by my people. But I just can't do it. You know, that, that, that voice that, as you touched on, um, that inner voice is, is ripping some of these executives apart where they really, really want to just scream it from the top of the houses. But they, it's, it's PC gone mad and we're not going to go down that route tonight. But it's, it's very much a, 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 an, an area where they know when they sit with me, they're, they're sharing with me what they really want to make the decision and really how they want to, as you say, move the needle. But they're just, their hands are tied. And I think that's why I wanted to find out from you sitting around from a global perspective, from global leaders and global CEOs, you know, where are we from a leadership point of view? And I think you're hitting the nail on the head. There's a gap. There's a gap between managing people as a manager and leading people. And you and I see it every day. You see some wonderful managers, some high potential, some high performing individuals. They get into that leadership seat it's lonely. It's it's scary. It's it's a place that you, you've got nowhere to hide. Um, and working with an executive coach and, and working with people like ourselves really can allow them to really un- uncover what that is. You know, there's so many courses out there, isn't there? There's MBAs. There's there, there's so many. And when I researched, going back to what I was saying earlier, when I researched, you know, having a look at my own development and. There were so many ways of understanding financial reports, marketing campaigns, sales campaigns. There was nothing out there that actually peeled back and looked at who an individual was. And I'm just thrilled I found you from, 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 a, from a global <laughs> point of view because what you're doing with the inner core showing, demonstrating from the outer core. I, I said to you earlier before we kind of hit the record button, I just think it's, it's gold dust. There's, there's so much potential out there um, if, well, if only people want to give it a go. Yeah, no, and, and that's I think that's the key. And and Nick, you know, it's it's not about you and I doing work as a psychologist. No, uh, you know, I don't want the listeners to think, boy, you know, it's talking about psychology here. Well, I am talking about psychology a little bit, but ultimately, the answer uh, for any one of us is is in fact making the decision to be courageous about looking inside. You know, because guess what? When you look inside, 
Uh, and, and I think that's where we come in as a, as a coach, where they're not going to get this in a university program. You know, to your point, there's a lot of programs out there. And lo and behold, you know, if you look at the construct of those programs, a lot of them are focused in on the outer court, right? Helping an executive become a better decision maker, more strategic, more critical thinking, so on and so forth. Those are all, all outer court things. Here's the thing, though. Ultimately, what's going to drive greatest in all of those elements is strength, vibrancy, and maturity in the inner core. How few executives that I've worked with um, and government leaders um, as well that I've had the privilege of working with um, have ever really explored uh, the terrain of their soul. And when you provide them an opportunity to look inside, take a glimpse, they discover, my goodness, you know, I've got these massive gifts and strengths that have been hiding for many, many years. And if I had never worked with you, John, or if I had never worked with you, Nick, Mm. I would have never discovered these incredible gifts and strengths. And now they look at you and they say, and you know this from your experience, Mm. Nick, right? They look at you and they say, how do I translate what you've helped me learn about my inner core into driving greatness in the outer core? So it's not about psychology, right? It's about translation of what they learn about the inside into specific practical things they can do every single day in their business and their personal lives that will move the needle for the people around them. That's what leadership is, you know? And and I, I think to me, you know, to me, if we can help, if we can help every human being go inside accurately, be really, really accurate, uh, and teach the executives to embrace their gifts and strengths, uh, and leverage the gifts and strengths, but also come to grips with, guess what? There's things hiding within you, your soul, that, you know, uh, you, you've got to deal with. Because if you don't deal with them, it's going to spill to the outer core in a negative way, and people are going to see it. Ah, exactly, you know? exactly. Yeah, yeah. So with those nine books you've written over your time and, and, and the kind of work you do around the world, the speaking events, I, I want to see if you can use your beautiful words, your passion... Can you just share with us intelligent leadership, executive coaching, just bring it to life for those that have never, it's like going to a new restaurant, you're trying a new new dish and the chef says, Nick, John, try this meal, you'll love it, or you'll, you, you may not. Just share with us what, in your words, what, what yeah. it is. So there's a lot of coaching out there, as you know, Nick, <coughs> and I think intelligent leadership executive coaching is about really three major tenets. One is that the inner core drives the outer core. And if we can help a leader better understand, embrace their inner core, we have a much higher probability of helping them drive greatness in the outer core. Inner core drives outer core. Ultimately, the outer core, if executed effectively, will enable that leader to live the values that will bring abundance to the world. And the values of altruism, which is a beautiful value, we don't have enough of that in the world. You know, leaders being courteous and compassionate, altruistic, not only to the people they work with, but the people they live with. That's a really important value that's going to lead to a really positive legacy. Affiliation, strong relationships, worthy achievement, ultimately abundance. That's the foundation of of our legacy. That's what intelligent leadership is. It's also, um, I, I use a medical analogy. You've heard this before. Prescription before diagnosis is malpractice. And how many coaches out there 
are not operating like a doctor. I think we need to be like doctors. We need to mitigate risk. If we're going to help a leader create a leadership development plan to leverage their gifts and strengths and aggressive development needs, that's called the prescription, by the way, right? How in the world can you create in partnership with an executive an accurate prescription unless you've got an accurate diagnostic? There it is, uh, right? So so IL coaches, and that's you and me, yep. right? We focus in on being really accurate, mitigating risk on the inner core and the outer core. And once we're concrete about that, we can then help that leader create their compelling future, which is the individual leadership development plan. One more tenet, Nick, and you already know this one. Um, successful executives do not invest in executive coaching. How about that one, right? They invest in results. So why do they hire you and why do they hire me? Well, they hire us because we're able to prove to them that when they work with us, we're going to move the needle with respect to the outer court, right? So again, we're not being hired to be a psychologist. We're, We're being hired to move the needle with respect to all those competencies that impact the world. To me, those are the three big tenets. I think that really defines IL. Hope that helps. I think that's... I think that summed it up really well from a from a from a big picture point of view. Um, take us back. Where did it come from? Uh, have you got a really good story on this? The, if you haven't, make one up. No. But have you got a? Was there something that you woke up one morning and you said to your wife, "You said, hey, I've got no, it. Here we go." No, it evolved. Did it, it? definitely evolved? So oh, evolved yeah. from the corporate world, the programs. It or, yeah, it's, it's a it's a great question. Um, and you know this too. Um, there's a lot of coaches out there, and some notable ones, who've never worked in the world of business. Um, and, and I'm not demeaning them, um, but I will say this: that my experience in the corporate world has helped me do the work that I do. Hmm. I learned to be really. I, I, I look back; it wasn't from a book at all. I learned how to coach as a senior vice president of sales when I had 50 salespeople many, many years ago for a company called DBM, Drake Beam Moore, one of the largest outplacement companies in the world. I had the sales team and I learned, my goodness, um, my salespeople who were really effective, I was able to coach them, kind of unlock and unleash their greatness. I didn't have a methodology though, Nick. I, I really, but I just had a knack for doing it. And so that was my foundation. And then I started to do a lot of executive coaching in 2007, 2008, 2009, when I was working in the world of consulting. The book that I wrote, Success Yourself, that was a massive failure, what it, an incredible irony, right? Back in 1996, I started to experiment with that book and my coaching. And I had many successful executives, including uh, Steve Jobs, say, my goodness, there's incredible, incredible things in your book. I, I always knew it. And that led me to rewrite Success Yourself into Intelligent Leadership in 2013. That book became a bestseller. The reason it became a bestseller is because my theoretical ideas that I wrote about in 1996, 1997, through my experiences, became very real. And I started to build structure into now what we call intelligent leadership. There, as you know, right. there's a very tight process to it. Hmm. You know, it's evolved and it continues to evolve today. But I, I don't think it's ever going to deviate too much 
from those major tenants that we just talked about, and there's some other ones too, mm. but those are really the three three major ones, I would say. And as we, we go, between you and I, we call it IL, and, 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 and I know our listeners will get used to the terminology and, and the meaning behind it, but from your side of things, I, I, and also from a, from a global point of view, I get to sit in front of CEOs and general managers and high, high potential individuals and we talk about this program and, and the process that goes on behind it. And you can just see the, the kind of the eyes lighting and the, the, not the excitement, but the, the interest. If you took a step back, who would you say this is, this is typically aimed at? Who's going who's gonna to get the best, take away the best outcomes by, by running through a program, IL? Who, who, what would you say on that? I would say that any leader who is authentically passionate about becoming a better leader and a better person is an ideal candidate for IL. Now, the work that I do personally Hmm. uh, is aimed at the C-level and government leaders. That wasn't the case four or five years ago when I was building my brand. Now, you know, I relaunched one seven and a half years ago. Uh, We've got quite a few coaches out there. Uh, and you're and you're one of them, Nick, that are utilizing IL with not only CEOs but you know uh, vice presidents, director level managers, uh, even high potentials in the emerging leaders can benefit greatly from uh, working with an IL coach who can help them again go inside, right, discover their strengths, discover potentially the derailers that are deep within their soul that could derail their career. They never work with an IL coach, they may not discover those derailers, you know. So high potentials is a massive, massive market that a lot of our coaches are tapping into. So, you know, long answer here, right? No, long is good. It is ultimately anybody who's legitimately authentically focused on getting better is an ideal candidate for IL. Oh, look, I think it's really powerful and, and you know, I'm proud to be associated with the, with the family and, and being your fifth child. But, uh, you know, can you, can you, would you mind sharing some examples of, of why leaders and organisations have taken the time out and you know, put some investment into it? Maybe what, what were they facing as, as individuals and what were some of the outcomes that some of those executives took away from going through a program, you know, I use a program timeline of six to nine months. It could be a little bit shorter, a little bit longer, depending on the exec, but just maybe give us some examples of what people were facing and, and why they reached out. Cause it's, it's, it's scary, isn't it? To, to, to open yourself up to a, to a person like you or I that you've never met or to a, to a, to, to a coach that's new into your business or new into your world. Share with us if you can. There's, there's a lot of, it's an excellent point, there's a lot of triggers out there that will bring a leader to contact us uh, or contact one of our coaches. Um, I think the biggest one is, hey, John, what, you know, I, I'm, um, I'm achieving, but I, I know there's more. I hear that one a lot, Nick. You know, I know there's more within me. Uh, I hear that. I, I also hear, uh, I know that I'm doing the work that I do today and I'm successful, but I don't think I'm doing my calling. I hear that one a lot where um, I, I, and I'm humbled, you know, to, to be, to be selected when I am selected 
to help them hone in on their core purpose. That's really important. You know, sometimes it's, hey, John, I, I'm not a great negotiator or I need to be more strategic, you know, or, or this. So sometimes it's an outer core. It's a recognition that their outer core is getting in the way from them being a really uh, more successful executive. Sometimes it's that. Um, but here's the thing. I always set those up as hypotheses now. So I listen to them and I respect their perspective on all of those things, but it doesn't take away from the work that I'm going to do because what I always tell them is that's fantastic, but we're still going to do the diagnostic. I'm still going to be a doctor here. I'm still going to do the diagnostic work. So I'm going to do the inner core assessments. We're going to do a 360. I'm going to talk to your stakeholders. And what we're going to find out is, yeah, there might be some, there might be some corroboration on your hypothesis, but guess what? I think we're going to end up discovering some new things and that's an opportunity for you. Mm. So that, that's what I would say. It's really honestly all over the map, but if I can get them comfortable with the methodology of IL and get them to see, wow, boy, you know, I came to John to improve my negotiation or conflict resolution skills. There's no question that, you know, I, I'm going to get those addressed, but it looks like uh, working with John uh, I'm going to discover some other things too, and that that's going to be fantastic for our partnership. So that's it's, what I would say. It's, it's fascinating when you get to sit with execs, isn't it? Or anyone, any human in the world, and, and you, you sit sure. down with them for five minutes. And you know, I've 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 set up a twenty foot shipping container. This is my global headquarters on the front of our house, and I get senior execs rock up and sit down with me, and, and we we sit down and it's just have a conversation. It's it's a two-way conversation, and, and as I said at the start, they're not wanting answers. You know, they've got enough people around them to give them answers. The majority of people that work with me, and and I have the privilege of sitting alongside, they 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 have a common theme. And I wanted to lead on to a bit more about yourself and the CEOs around the world. But the common theme I'm hearing out of my side of the world in New Zealand is we touch on the scariness that they're scared, and that's not because they can't do the job; they can. But they just find it lonely. They're sitting around a boardroom. They don't know who they can trust, who they can't trust. There's so many knives out. There's so many things going on that there's hidden agendas. And I know that's the corporate world that many execs work in and, and, and go go through that kind of process to get to reach the top. But it's interesting when you sit them and they say, oh, you know, I work with you, Nick, because I want to understand who I am. I'm yep. getting sidetracked by certain different noises or different things that are coming at them every day you know the emails are going bang 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 the phone messages they sit out here in this 20-foot shipping container and they they hear the birds they hear the dogs barking they hear the kids screaming and everything else that goes on around here and many of them just sit there and say it's just perfect just to be myself and i sit there and go Take it to the boardroom. Take it in that room. Take it to your leadership group. Don't hide, don't hide it with me. I'm just Nick. But share that kind of who you are with with, 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 with your team. There was an exec recently, I won't mention names, but it was a very senior executive here in New Zealand. And, um, he was making a speech and he, he got really emotional. And it, yeah. it was the first time that this guy had got emotional. And you could tell that the the openness around him just wanted to kind of swamp him up because he'd actually finally 
shown a sign of vulnerability and it's not and I, I use this word every day it's certainly not a sign of weakness it's certainly not a sign of saying I'm weak I need help um, but just showing a human element you know we read the news why well, didn't I don't know about you in America here in New Zealand we hear many times a day there's been a shooting or there's been a, a death or car accident there's been a train whatever the situation is how many times in your life have you seen a, a newsreader get emotionally upset and 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 cry and, and and feel quite upset about what they're sitting there reading they're just right. they're sitting there they're paralyzed they're unemotional and that's kind of things i share with executives is compare yourself to a a newsreader and i'm not putting newsreaders down because it's a really hard job i'm sure but when you see them talking about people that have been hurt and there's no yes. there's no light on behind no, i just think yeah no i yeah. and and this yeah. is what i found in in the program of you and and jumping on board with il was you know you can bring that emotion out you can show that emotion you can have some constructive feedback around that and once that feedback's out there once you're sharing that story of why and how and what's going on i i could bet my last time that you're going to get people alongside you wanting to push things forward in business, aren't they? They're going to want to really move things forward. Yeah, you just put the yeah. I would say I would say Nick, you you know I guess you know this this is probably the the the, the other critical tenet of of IL, and that's vulnerability. You know, and and vulnerability is a is a, in my mind the absolute instigator to growth in a human being. And when, when somebody realizes that the decision to be vulnerable and open to feedback, uh, open to different perspectives, having the courage to look inside, you know, those kinds of things, that's what I mean by vulnerability. What I've discovered is that that is not only the instigated growth, but how many companies out there that we work with, and I'm sure the listeners listening in, uh, would, would also raise their hands on this, are looking for more creativity, right, in their organizations and much more innovation. Well, guess what? Um, the foundation for innovation and creativity and agility is, is vulnerability. And if you've got a senior executive team, individually and collectively, that's not vulnerable, there's no way you're going to have a culture of innovation in a business. And it's the same thing in our families, too. So you bring up a really good point that vulnerability is often seen by so many people in the world as weak. You know, it's weak. There's a fear to be vulnerable. I understand that fear. But a lot of what we do as an I.O. coach is try to condition authentically that leader to understand. And, and it's sometimes difficult, Nick. You know, sometimes it might take us three months mm. to get that leader to realize your point, which is, hey, wait a minute, that decision that I originally saw as weak, Nick has helped me understand that it's in fact the most courageous decision that I can make as a human being. Thank you very much, Nick. I didn't really believe that early on, but now I get it. Thank you so much. And I now understand that it's not only courageous, but it is the foundation for me becoming the best that I can be. And oh, by the way, it's also the foundation for my team and my family to become the best. So vulnerability uh, is, to me, um, is a powerful, powerful component of growth and leadership and growth in people, you know, and how few executives really understand exactly what it is that you and I are talking about right now. 
well, hopefully with the coaches around the world that are, there's some many great executive, co- there's many, there's some great coaches around the world. There's some great mentors around the world and everybody's trying to do a good job by themselves, by their clients, by the organizations they work with. But I remember playing rugby and I had a, I had a coach and he said a few things to me um, and they resonate with me still to today. Um, I won't share with you what they were because it, it was it was pretty to the to the to the point. Um, I'll share with you offline. But um, what it made me realise was, you know, sometimes when you look in the mirror, the answer's staring right back at you. You don't need a textbook. You know, That's how it. many leaders fall back into data, emails, more information, more insight. I need more stuff, Nick. I need some more evidence. Give me this. Give me this. Give me this. You know, pause turn everything off look in the mirror what's it, what's it telling you your gut your gut my gut will tell you straight away what's right or wrong i don't care who you are how how hardened you are as an individual your gut will tell you every single time what the right thing is to do and i think that's what that's what you're touching on isn't it that inner core is really bringing that out it is and you bring up again you know it's it's you, you're talking about three you're talking about three things that connect right you got head, you got the mind, you got the heart, and then you got the gut, you got the instincts. Those three elements have got to be humming together. You know, they've got to be igniting together. And, you know, the world that we're living in, in the technology world, uh, and, and um, you know, the AI world, mm-hmm. and you know, hey, in five years, it's going to be something else. It's just never going to end, Nick. Never going to end. Um, something else out there in five years, 10 years, 15 years. One thing that is happening is the mind is overwhelming the heart and then the gut. And I think part of what we can do as IO coaches is get leaders to better understand their heart because leaders do have a heart. Uh, it, but but they, they they don't they don't know how to uh, let it out, you know. And the same thing with with instincts and and, and the gut. Um, so yes, in the world of data, uh, in the world of uh, AI, uh, you're seeing in, in the world of uh, you know virtual leadership. Um, we've got to get leaders back to becoming more altruistic, being much more present with human beings, mm-hmm. right? Much more present. That's, that's a very, that's, that's, that's a, that's, that's a yeah, really, I mean, really good point. How many that's coaches, that's, that's critical that we, you know, we got to be present. You yeah. know, when you work with an executive, there's nothing else going on in life here. You know, it's just me and you. And you. And me. Yep. That's it. Right. So you got stuff going on when you coach, right. In your family. Oh, and Absolutely. And, I'm, I'm over here. I got stuff going back back in the United States. Um, we all have stimuli. We got, just like we're playing a, an athletic event here. We, it's game time, you know. And we've got to help leaders become a lot more present. And and I think one one thing that 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 ignites that is helping them have a mindset of privilege. You, you know what I'm mm-hmm. saying? It's a privilege to be sitting with you, Nick. It's a privilege to have this opportunity. You, you see what you see. Yeah. My mindset 
nothing else matters in life right now other than than you and I doing the podcast, right? Oh, I think you're spot on. I think you're absolutely spot on. You know, it doesn't matter who you are in the world, having time with each other, being present, because there is so much distraction going on. You know, you'll come off, we'll come off this podcast, me tonight, I'll go into the house and you'll head off into Dublin and have a, have a lovely walk around the canals and see some <laughs> wonderful sights. Be careful. But you're, you're, you're going to say something else. No, 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 no. But you're going to have a, you know, a, there, there are things going on. And, and how many leaders, how many leaders just, you know, I, I did a thing, I did a couple of execs recently. I, they were just getting bombarded and hounded by technology and, and noise coming at them. And they just... They said, Nick, I can't make a decision. I've got so much things coming at me that I've got no room to breathe. And you could, one of them described it as like having a rope around her neck and it was getting tighter by the minute. So we kind of came up with a plan and put some barriers in place around technology and, and, and use of technology and, and everything else, you know, meetings. What, why have a meeting unless it's purposeful straight away? You know, have meetings that are relevant and you want to be in that meeting. Don't just have them because you're being invited in. You know, you want to be there. That's hard to say, isn't it? How many of us say no to somebody? How many of us say, no, sorry, I can't do it? You know, we don't. We, you know, that's human nature. But there are ways of putting barriers in place that can allow you to to breathe, to make formed decisions and to really push the, the, the business yourself forwards. But we run like a rabbit in a, a hamster in a wheel. We run around, run around, run around. And suddenly, what's going to happen? Pop, we're going to be thrown off the, the hamster wheel pretty quickly. So working with a coach, and, and you know, you've seen it, you know, you've seen the results that people get by working with people around the world. And I think the results can only be driven by him or her. We've got a great platform, a great tool, a great opportunity for people to realize what's going on underneath the hood of the engine. If they're not willing to kind of look at it themselves, forget the money, forget the time, forget the organizations, in whatever. It's, it's got to be driven by him or her, hasn't it? You know, how many times have you sat down with a leader and within three hours, that, that first three hours of sitting down with a coach or with, with, a, with, a, with a client, you know that he or she's being asked to be in the room with you. They, they don't want to be here, right. do they? Exactly. And, and that's really hard as, as an executive. You know, those that don't want to be in the room, let's not go there. But, but really allow that person to explore things in a, in a safe and in a, in, a, in a trusted environment where there are, no, there are no rules, there are no right or wrong answers. But go back to your point earlier, you've got a senior executive that they, they're, they're in, a, in a business, they're leading people. How many times do you reckon in a day they actually think about themselves as an individual? Have I skipped breakfast? Have I skipped morning tea, lunch, dinner, whatever, time out, go for a walk around the canal, whatever. How many people do that? But the, yeah, the stimuli, yeah, the stimuli hitting people today is off the charts. Mm. And so um, I, I love, I love some of the things that you just said, Nick. I think all of those, all of those things will create parameters to prevent, prevent that from happening. I think uh, also, um, when you know your core purpose, you know, when you know why you're on the earth, and, and by the way, uh, and you know this from your own experience, very, very few people that I coach, uh, even even CEOs, um, really have answered that question. Um, 
Why do I exist? What's my purpose? And, and many of these people will look at me and they'll say, hey, John, I'm really, really successful, but you know something? I know I'm not doing my passion. It happens a lot. And I think when you know your core purpose, you know, uh, and, and why you're on the earth, it gives you a lot of perspective and enables you to be a lot more present about who you are and what you can bring to the world. So, you know, as an IL coach, under the umbrella of helping a leader explore, right, and hopefully answer those really big questions, mm. the biggest questions that ultimately we can, we can, we can ask ourselves and answer, um, that will fuel a lot of centeredness in people. You know, and, and, and that's what we've got to help leaders get to. And when if we can help them get centered on the vision of the essence of the personal leader they must become, you know, it's not about what they want to become. It's about them recognizing that they do have a responsibility and accountability to the people in their lives, hmm. you know. And it's not that they don't really think about it, but when you bring it home that way, you can then, you can then help them move into becoming a lot more concrete about uh, what they need to do to become better leader. Um, but the stimuli is off the charts. And I think the other thing, too, is just taking time out to think. You know, one of the great benefits of traveling, like I do, mm. uh, is when I take the long flights. You know what I do? Uh, I, don't, I don't watch TV. I don't listen to music. I shut off all electronics. Fantastic. And all I do is I sit there. Sit. Do you meditate, John? Do you meditate? Well, I guess that, that would be my meditation. Um, it's fall. unbelievable on these long trips how crystallized I get in my thinking. Unbelievable. I have no stimuli. I'm sure people are looking at me saying, what's that guy doing over there? He's doing nothing. He's doing a lot. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> I'm doing a lot. Uh, and it's unbelievable. Once I hit the ground and I do my workout, I start to reflect that, boy, you know, I just did a lot of thinking on that flight. It's unbelievable how clear and concrete I am yeah. in my thinking, yeah. you know? Yeah. That's called being present. That's what we got to do. So, you know, the listeners who are listening in, you know, hey, maybe it's a flight, uh, maybe it's meditation, maybe you go to church. You got you to gotta be comfortable in the quietness of your mind, right, away from stimuli where you can literally get centered. We need more of that. I think we're going to probably wrap up soon and, and allow you to get into the Dublin day. But um, before we before we wrap up, what what's the future of leadership? It's a when I say what's the future of the leadership, what you know, there's lots of tools, there's lots of programs, lots of ideas out there. But where do you see leadership going over the next fifteen years, twenty years? Is it you know you said at the start when we started talking earlier. Um, the gap between management leaders and, 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 and the, the lack of true leadership out there. And those are my words, not yours. But do you see that widening? Do you see that getting greater? Is it becoming more evident? Or how, how do you see it playing out in, in, with, with your thoughts? Depends on IL. <laughs> oh, you know, I wasn't expecting that one, John. We got to make IL take over the world because I really believe this. I believe if we can get people to understand what it is, and this is beautiful, 
that that we've got this podcast opportunity. And thank, thank you so much, Nick. Um, you know, I'm laughing about this, but in reality, I, I think it's true. You know, if I, first of all, I'm very encouraged about the future. Okay, I am encouraged because I believe the young people all over the world are massively talented. It does not matter where I go in the world. Hmm. I look at the young people and I get excited. I look at my own kids. You know, my kids uh, range from 26 to 35. These people, these four people in my life are amazingly talented people, you know. Um, so I'm encouraged by, I think, what we've got here in terms of the younger people. We do need to provide the young people, though, with tools that will enable to do what we've been talking about today. Um, if, we can, if we can provide a platform for people being constantly self-aware, constantly being vigilant about their gifts and strengths and how best to leverage and bring those strengths to the world. Also being vigilant about, well, you know, here's my gap or gaps that I need to address. Helping them be courageous about executing a plan, right? Uh, Helping them uh, create a mindset of privilege. If we can do those things, Nick, uh, we're going to close the gap on leadership, and and I think we, we we must. I think I think that's our commitment. You know, yeah. I know that's my I know that's your commitment. That's my commitment. One hundred percent. Yeah, one hundred percent. We got work to do. You know, um, so that's what I would say. So you're tomorrow. You're you're standing up in front of two and a half thousand brains. Yes. Uh, have you got? A song and dance ready, or are you going off the cuff? What are you What are you doing tomorrow in in, in beautiful Dublin? You know, I shared with everyone what you're talking about, but what's the kind of well, what's the story? It's kind of funny. Uh, I'm at, yeah, I've done I've done uh, I, I think I've been on the platform probably over 2,500 times in my career. Um, I, I never I never just roll it out. You know no, what I'm saying? No. I'm always prepared. Always I always have a, a plan. Hmm. You know, it's like I sort of know where I'm going, but I'm also um, a speaker who literally comes from the heart. So I'm never rehearsed ever. You know, it just like like how we're talking right yeah, now. It yeah. just comes out. And I think we're going to talk about a lot of the elements that we talked about today. It'll, it, I'm sure it's going to come out a little bit differently. Uh, being in front of 2,700 people is uh, an adrenaline rush. You know, I get I get pumped up. You know, in front of one person, mm. but 2,700 people, it's pretty exciting. You know, is so, it, can I ask? Is it, it is it exciting yeah. or is it scary? Is it a mixture? Where are you at? Because all of it, all of yeah. it. Yeah, you know, it doesn't matter how many times I present it. It's not that I get nervous. I can feel the adrenaline, and that's a good thing because I channel it through the verbal uh, body movement. You know what I'm saying? Uh, It's just going to fly. So I kind of look at speaking actually as an athletic event. Played a lot of sports growing up. True. True. That's a, that's a great analogy actually. Yeah. It's a game. You're playing a game. It's a game time. You know, what could it be closest to? It could be closest to cricket. Same. Same. You know, it's performing. You got to perform. That's how I look at it. Um, so I'm looking forward to tomorrow. Um, speaking for 45 minutes, it's going to go very, very fast. Yeah. But 
Um, I, I believe it's going to be very impactful for the people listening in. Looking forward to it. The book, just before we finish up, is it September this year? What, what, what's the kind of time frame for you and the, the, the new release? Where are you at with that? Yes, we, we, uh, we are progressing very well in the book. Uh, I think I've got four more chapters to write. Launch day uh, is not final yet, oh, okay. but it looks yeah. like early October next, mm. early October. Um, and I think the readers, uh, when you get a chance to read the book, uh, a lot of my writing, I think just from my, my background has been, you know, just my industrial psych background tends to be more technical. Mm. Um, I think people are going to see this uh, writing um, as very conversational. I think, I think people are going to see a, a slightly different side of me. I'm really excited about it. Um, so, so maybe I think people can now understand what I'm saying. Which, which is be a novelty, you know? Great. Finally, what is Matone trying to say with this, you know? <laughs> Here he comes again. <laughs> that number, number one, two, three guru in the world. Here he goes. <laughs> no, I try That's to make huge. sense, you know? I give it a shot every, every day, you know? But uh, I'm excited about that book. I, I, I'm, I'm very, very excited. I, uh, you know, one of the great books ever was The Seven Habits of Highly Effective People. Steve yep. McCovey. Yep. It's in the, it's in the vault behind me. Legend, legend, right? Uh, I would never say this book's going to compare to it, but I think you just did. Going to see there's a flavor. There's a flavor. You know, it's there. Yeah. So you know, we'll we'll, we'll see what the. Uh, are you going to do it on? The, are you going to do audio, or are you going to just do it on book? Oh yeah, yeah, I am. I'm going to do an audio version. In fact, uh, yeah. we're we're going to be setting that up. Uh, I think in March. Oh, fantastic! Oh, I hope it goes. Book. I hope that goes well, and and. I, I, I still can't believe we've been going for just over an hour and, and you're sitting in Dublin, I'm sitting in Auckland, New Zealand and, and we're, I, I hope our listeners are still with us because we're going to wrap up now but I, I, I hope, I, I, sincere, I sincerely hope they've, they take a little bit away from what you're doing, what I'm doing and trying to achieve and, and, and how this IL program can really benefit and support individuals and organisations and I, I just want to wrap up by saying I, I still can't believe we, we, we've managed to lock down this podcast. We've been trying to do it since September and it, your diaries have been all over the place and, and family things. But um, thank you, you for it. sharing the, thanks for sharing the message, the important message. I, I can't thank you enough for taking the time out of your day. Um, not, not only being in Dublin, but for taking out time to, to, to speak with me and to share with our listeners around the world. Really thank you for your, for your wisdom. Um, uh, right, right back at you, Nick. Thank you so much. Uh, you're doing amazing, amazing work. And what a great privilege uh, it is to have you as one of our top coaches in the IL Executive Coaching family. You're a great person. What a wonderful opportunity to be with you today. Keep doing your thing. Thanks, Thank John. You, Thanks, John. So look, wrapping up um, to all my global family members, new and old, how was the show for you today? Did it hit a chord? Are you looking to take your leadership to the next level? Get in touch with John, get in touch with myself. Um, I'll make sure we've got all links to the to coaches group around the world so you can connect with people and, and, and look out for some interesting stats and stuff coming through. I wish you and all your families, John, I wish you and, and Nick, who's over with you, I think it's Nick, isn't it, you said? Yes, it is. Yes. Nick, yep. I wish you and Nick a wonderful, safe time in Dublin. Please keep out and away from that Guinness stuff, the Guinness drink. It's <laughs> it's not good for you. Or at least do it after your after your um, uh, summit. And I really wish you all the best tomorrow. Um, Thank you. To the, to the listeners wherever you are in the world, look after yourself 
and I'll see you all soon on the Nick Rao podcast.